Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I'm really looking forward today to learning a little bit more about an initiative that is going on in Lincoln Public Schools here in Nebraska. And I'm grateful that Dr. Chris Hefner, who is the Director of Library Services for LPS, uh, is joining us uh, to share her efforts in support of a project called The Seat Beside You. Uh, and it's something that Chris shared in a formal presentation at our TLT meetings. As the collective members of our statewide service agencies come together for our PDO. Uh, and then afterwards, I said, Chris, I got to learn more about this. I'm excited to share it out through the podcast. And so, Chris, welcome back to the podcast. You've been on before. I have. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. I am super excited to talk with you and, and uh, the audience today about The Seat Beside You. It is really fun work, and I cannot wait to see how it moves forward in the state of Nebraska and how people kind of embrace it. I think they will. It's so fun. Oh, I I certainly am excited to point folks to that because I, like you, have a heart for education uh, and also think that it's so imperative that we tell our stories uh, and the stories of our learners and educators alike. And this is obviously an opportunity to do that and, and love the vision for it. So for folks that don't know you, Chris, give them a little bit of backstory about your role in education. And then we can probably even segue that straight into how did this come about, this effort? You bet. So, uh, Andrew, I've been a librarian for over 20 years now, and that has led to my path here at the district office where I help lead over 60 library programs out in our schools. And for me as a librarian, it has always been the power of stories and the impact that stories can have on our lives. That's really been a driving force for me in education. And that's exactly what this work reflects. So here's the story. Gosh, probably five years ago, it was before COVID, my team and I went to a conference up in Minneapolis that School Library Journal was putting on. And one of the keynote speakers was this actually group of kids and the adult that they were working with that published this book called The Green Card Stories. And in Minneapolis, what they were doing is they were finding uh, students who were new to the United States and helping them write their own stories of uh, being refugees and immigrants, how they came to the United States, and then their experiences in the Minneapolis area. And they published them in this book. And it was amazing listening to these kids talk about their experiences and their perspectives on life based on being immigrants and refugees. And I thought, holy smokes, we have those stories in Lincoln Public Schools all over the place. We've got incredible kids who come from incredible families and uh, whose experiences are sometimes very, very different than what you might think the average kid in the classroom might be. And if we could share those stories, what a difference that could make to our school communities. You know, what we really, really want is to capture our students telling their stories so that that would help their teachers, their classmates, the community in general, um, have a better understanding of the world that we live in 
and a better understanding of the kids sitting right next to them in their classrooms every day. And so that's where the idea came from. And uh, it took a little while to get the ball rolling, but we happened to have the opportunity to hire a couple really good videographers who formerly worked for NET and uh, had experience in making documentaries. And so when I talked to um, David Kane and Brian Cipherline, they were instantly attracted to, to this idea. And so we worked very closely with federal programs here in Lincoln Public Schools with our bilingual liaisons to initially identify some students and some families who would be willing to tell their stories and to work with our videographers to do it. It took a while to do that, right? Because people are typically kind of reserved and uncomfortable being part of a video storytelling project. But that's where we began. And after we told a couple stories, then we were able to use those stories as hooks to get more people to share their stories with us. And from there, it's kind of snowballed. And, and that is how we got started. Absolutely love that. And it's, if you're listening in right now and you say to yourself, well, I'm not an LPS, so what does this story have to do with me? I think your example there speaks to what it does have to do with all of us, whether we're educators in LPS in Nebraska or anywhere. So uh, I think your story really speaks to that and that this group in Minnesota was not looking to start something in LPS in Nebraska, but their example led to that. And so maybe as you listen in, this is something that would inspire you to replicate some sort of similar efforts, be it in writing or video, as it fits in your context for your students. And uh, I hope that we're all inspired by seeing any student feel recognized in sharing their story and putting themselves out there for others to connect with. Those and more, I'm sure, right, Chris, are part of the heart behind this work? That's exactly it. These are our students. These are our families. And this is who we are as a district, as a city, as a state. And if we take the time to get to know our students and our, our families, our neighbors, we will discover that although there may be a language barrier or customs or, or, or you know, differences that make us feel more different than the same. Their stories are incredible. They're incredible stories and they're incredible people. And I think it's through those stories that we can feel connected and build empathy and build understanding and really build, hopefully, connection. And who can't get on board with that? Can't, right? really. Uh, that's what we're here in education to support in addition to learning and a number of other things. But that relationship certainly is always at the heart of it. And this gives an access to some of the nuances that we don't always get a chance to know about learners. And so, okay, I guess the first question is, with this ambition and with the videographers and everything uh, that you, we've sort of established, how do you get started? You walk through the halls and you, you, you. <laughs> like how, do we, how do we pick people uh, to be featured in stories or pitch it to them is probably more part of the process. That was the hard part because where we could see it in our brains, <laughs> not everybody else had a real understanding of what we were trying to accomplish. And nobody wants to 
feel embarrassed or dumb or, you know, by being on camera. And so we had to work really hard to find our first stories. And what we ended up doing, we we worked with our bilingual liaisons, uh, particularly our Spanish speaking liaison. And she is connected not only with Lincoln Public Schools, but also with the immigrant community. And she helped us identify really a perfect story. And this happened to be the story of a little girl named Lisbeth and her mom, Hilda, who recently immigrated from Guatemala. And neither of them speak very good English just yet, although they are, they're learning a ton. But Marta helped David and Brian, our, our videographers, identify really the important story to tell here. And that's when um, Lisbeth was a, a very small child, uh, she had a medical emergency that caused some ongoing issues and learning deficits. And so her mother fought and fought and fought to come to the United States so that Lisbeth could get the medical attention that she needed, but also come to schools that could help her. And so Hilda ended up leaving the rest of her family behind, her other children um, behind in Guatemala, and she and Lisbeth came to, to Lincoln. And so through Marta's translating for us, we were able to tell the story. And meanwhile, David and Brian are going out and capturing their lives on video. And that became the very first story. And once they were able to kind of package that story, they could use it sort of as an advertisement to others in the district saying, see how we tell stories? We can tell other stories too. What are those other stories that you know about? And so we've worked really closely with federal programs and other bilingual liaisons and our Native American liaison, our homeless liaison to find students out there and families who are willing to tell their stories and have powerful stories to tell. Well, and we will be sure to share the site by the end of the show, and it will definitely be in the show notes. Uh, but on the site, that particular video, which is around 17 minutes in its entirety, does have a few extras, which when you click on the link to go and access that story, there are some extras underneath. And there's uh, one of those from Elizabeth's story that is about a minute long. And we're going to play that audio now. Actually, it's entitled Helping the Dream. And that'll give our listeners a little bit of a sense of the content that they can expect to find when they go and access the site. So here it is, that sneak preview, maybe, of that particular video. For a person like Ilda, for a person like me, um, just doing what we are doing is the American dream come true. It's unavoidable to have, to feel some sadness for the people like Ilda. But I just want to also to know um, they are quite a success story. So even though it starts as a sad, tough story, it is also a success story. That is how the American dream looks like. This country has been made and thought by immigrants and for immigrants. When we come here, we are just helping that dream. Oh. Wow. And so real theme of the American dream lived out. And 
listeners will not be able to see it, but I, you can tell that it's professionally done uh, with regards to the videography and those types of things. It, it was very documentary-esque in, in the style of its shooting, and they had scenes of what it looked like from school, but also shopping and just different places. So, so as a reference there, when these are captured, can you kind of give us the process, the individual student and their family signs off on this, and then where does the process go from there? We really rely on a lot of word of mouth initially, and that's gotten us pretty far. I mean, we have quite a few stories that are already told, but we also have a form that's available on our website so that after someone is watching these videos they and they think of someone, they can go in and fill out their form. And then my team looks at all of those suggestions and we try to identify which might be the most necessary story for that moment in time. Then certainly we work with the family to make sure that they understand the process and that all the permissions are in place because we don't just take the story at school. A lot of times we go to uh, their homes, we go to their churches, we go to community celebrations and capture really what we hope is to be a little bit of the essence of their culture And so we work very closely with the family. We also have to make sure to work closely with the school to make sure that they know what is going on and so that they can provide their insights as well. So once those things are in place, our videographers really plan out all of the different shots that they want to get and all of the different interviews that they want to do. And they will spend hours and hours and hours putting together a three-minute clip, right? They are professionals and um, their sense of storytelling is really, really extraordinary. So there is a whole lot of time that is dedicated to making sure that these stories are told the right way to be thought-provoking and to make sure that all of our students uh, have the dignity of telling their story in the way that is important to them. Every now and then there's a story that We'll get submitted and we're like, oh, that's a story. And we'll contact the parents and we'll find out about the student and we'll start planning. And then it might fall through. Maybe the student's not comfortable telling the story or maybe the family isn't comfortable. And in that case, we don't tell the story. These are their stories to tell. And we like to be the ones that can illuminate them, right? But certainly we're only telling stories out of respect for and in cooperation with the students and the families. That really resonates with me and not to take too much time to go down this avenue of conversation, but people ask all the time, where do we select the stories for the podcast? And in the same way, it is very organic. There are times where a topic comes up and we're kind of like we reach out to folks based upon things that we're hearing people are interested in. And other times we're contacted by organizations or groups and they say, we'd really like to share this. And you're like, oh, that that sounds fascinating. I would love to learn more. And some things work and some things fall through. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, the, the content that you are able to bring to a place we're able to share takes time as you mentioned. And so what is maybe the general time frame it takes from the time that your team says, all right, this is a story we're interested in pursuing to maybe final product that gets added to the site? Because this is, if I'm understanding right, first year of launching this effort. Uh, And so I do understand too, that there's, I would say both a learning curve likely uh, to getting in the rhythms of telling the stories, but then also, yeah, to grow the library itself. Uh, 
That, that's exactly it. Actually, the stories that are on the website uh, right now were really created last school year. And so there's also that gap between uh, production and editing and then being able to kind of put them out uh, in a published format. So I will tell you, three-minute piece takes hours and hours and hours of shooting. So it is quite a long process. So our videographers are always on the search for, for the best stories. And you're right, it's, it is completely organic. We may be at one school shooting one story and we run into somebody else who you know, ignites another idea and gets us moving in another story. And so what we've found over the last two years is that we do a lot of shooting all at once. You know, we'll be at the Native American powwow and there may be something else happening the next day that's not at all related to that. So we do a lot of shooting on, on this day and then somewhere else we'll shoot another story and then somewhere else we'll shoot another story. So we do all of this shooting and as a result, acquire all, hours and hours and hours of, of raw footage. And then it's over the summertime that David and Brian are working to edit them into really tight uh, stories. So I'm looking forward to September, September, October, we'll see uh, when the next batch is released because they have a good, you know, 20 more stories that they're um, finishing right now. But the pace of the school year is such that it's shooting, 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 and then it's put together when their calendars are a little bit slower. That answered another question I had, which was really to say, how are those released? And also how they're able to find time in the midst of, that makes for long hours uh, as well, uh, to be able to be there for the event in the evening or the sports competition or whatever it might be. And so that will surely be an exciting time whenever in early fall, that next, as you said, batch comes through. Well, and Andrew, I think it's kind of a, a sign of how dedicated David and Brian are to telling an authentic story, right? They don't want just the kid sitting in the classroom answering rote questions, right? They want to provide a glimpse into the real things that drive that kid, their family, their community. And so we can't just do that within the walls of the school. So um, David and Brian really work hard to make sure they're in the right place at the right time to capture kind of the essence of who those students, um, their families and their community are. It's so cool. Well, and for the stories that you have to this point, and I, I uh, understand too that there's obviously another 20 or so in the making, and uh, but I would imagine in the interactions along the way or in talking with Elizabeth, for example, and getting some feedback, what has been your experience with hearing from those kiddos and their families as this goes from being an idea to a finished product? So two things come to mind here. First of all, the pride that we are able to kind of peel out of our students as they talk about who they are and who their families are. I mean, we see them shine. And of course, we're always going to cast them in a positive light, right? But it's so easy because, man, there is such a lot of pride that these students have. I know I was sitting in on an interview the other day with um, a pair of cousins. 
and their family owns a restaurant here in in Lincoln and both of the boys work at the restaurant getting to hear them talk about the importance of food in their family and the importance of following in the family's tradition of working and serving at the restaurant. And I mean, you could just, these are quiet boys. I mean, I couldn't get a word out of them pre-interview, right? But you get them talking about the things that matter to them and you get a glimpse of who they are for real. And it's, it's just so fun. So that's, that's the one piece of it. The other piece is as we, as a school district work to become more culturally literate, as we learn to become better teachers and better educators to kids from all kinds of backgrounds and with all sorts of diversity, we have to have a better understanding, right. Of, of who our students are and where they come from and what's important to them. And so I'm hoping that these videos will also be instructive, right? For our teachers and our educators to help them understand and build relationships with the students they serve. Wow, so much of that touches my heart. And I I think I have three things from what you just shared there that I would like certainly want to lead into. And one is the idea that the student feels seen, right? And I think that in any and all regards for someone to reach out and just say to you, we see you, we would like to learn more about who you are and the things that you're about and please share that with others, I think is its own special recognition and something that really would be uplifting to an individual. But then as you shared the stories of the of the two brothers there, it made me think about some students that I had in class who were uh, maybe quiet or reserved or didn't recognize how extraordinary some of their life experiences, talents, passions were uh, until they were told as much, right? Until someone said, really? Food means this much to you? To go back, and not in a way that's accused of, like to say that in a way that, that you go, tell me more about that. Uh, and then they almost start to own that thing that they maybe took for granted or assumed was just a part of everyone's life, but to see it as something that is special and unique to them and add like enhance the value to it, perhaps maybe. I mean, is that, does that, I still have one more thing to bring up, but is that kind of like a line with? Absolutely. It is a hundred percent. You know, it really goes back to my number one purpose and as a librarian, and that is to make kids feel seen through, in in the case of a traditional library, through stories so that they can find themselves reflected, so that they can see their experiences they are not alone in, right? So that they can learn from the experience of fictional characters or characters in, in, in the book. And these stories are just an extension of that, right? So it is, it's helping the kids feel seen, feel represented, to see that they are not alone in their experiences, to help other kids build empathy from other kids' experiences and other stories, and to help us as adults remember that all of our stories are important, right? And we all have something that gives us inspiration and power in our own lives. And so I, I just... It feels like a very natural thing for our librarians to be doing is telling the stories of our own students as well. 
Wow. And you, you doubled right back to it. There is my, that third piece I was going to get back to is that I think as a educator in a system that recognizes students that way, I would feel inspired by the effort that my students were putting in to being well-rounded individuals. And, and I'm not going to put words in anyone's mouth, but in Elizabeth's little snippet we just heard there, that there are challenges that students are overcoming all the time and are dealing with in the moments that we're teaching them in class. Uh, and to keep that at, at the forefront of our thoughts and our lesson design and I it wouldn't be right of me to reduce these stories down to professional learning. I, that's not where I'm going. But I, I would say as a, a sub benefit of having these available is for our professionals to learn about these backgrounds um, from the, the students that are right in front of them each and every day. And that I, I know matters, but even from my own experience, when you get to know a student for who they are outside of the classroom as well, it just helps you better serve them when you're there. Absolutely. I think there's so much value to these stories, um, both to the adults in our system, to the children in our system, and to the broader community, so that there's maybe a better understanding of what education involves uh, as we try to give every kid the foundation they need to be successful. And there you have it. You brought up the last point that I was going to bring up, whether you're a student or an adult in our buildings or in our education system statewide or in the community. The call to action here would be to visit the site. And so, Chris, will you point folks to where they can find more about The Seat Beside You? Absolutely. We have a website on our LPS webpage that has all of the stories available to watch. That's at lps.org backslash seat beside you. And we will be releasing a whole new batch of stories come this fall. We're really excited. Two of our stories, Tommy's Light and the world of Lisbeth have been nominated for Emmy Awards. But certainly, I, I hope everyone reaches out, bookmarks our page, and continues to think about how we can use stories of real Nebraskans right now to share with our students, to improve ourselves as educators, and to, to strengthen our communities. I love that vision and try to help support that in a different avenue through this podcast and the efforts we make in this space and wish you and the folks involved in this nothing but the best, whether it be yeah with the award, which congratulations on the nomination, Thank uh, you. but in, yeah, just the ongoing power that will be the bringing together of this collection uh, through your efforts uh, moving forward. So Chris, thanks so much for all the things you do that are amazing all the time, but for sharing this one of those many amazing things as a part of today's episode. Thank you so much, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thank you.